Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, we continue our read with the first reading this morning through Genesis, uh, the beginning of Genesis, a little scripture study style homily for us this morning, because right here in this section of Genesis, we are brought to um, what we might call like the crux of the drama, where everything begins to go off the rails is what we have this morning. So today we're invited to contemplate the second story of creation that begins in Genesis 2, and I always think it's interesting that uh, uh, I think a lot of folks are a little bit surprised that there's two accounts of creation in Genesis. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, they're, they're slightly different. Genesis 1 is a little bit more uh, objective, we might say. It's a different account that views the creation of the world mythically, poetically, as if standing objectively from a distance. But Genesis 2, it is, again, the story of creation, but not told from this objective distance, but almost as if uh, with more feet on the ground, looking inside the psychology of our first parents, looking at the subjectivity of creation. So that's where we are. That's Genesis 2. So let's go back to the text here. We hear this. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and he placed there the man whom he had formed. Let's just start with the word Eden. Scripture scholars, you know, Scripture scholars are divided by all sorts of things, but one of the things that you see this beautiful consensus, especially in the church fathers, when they're translating the word Eden, what it essentially amounts to is fertile pleasure park. That's the place that we were constituted. That's our original home. Just let that settle in for a second. It's a place of exuberant life, a place of delight, a place of consummate beauty. It's that was our natural habitat, that was design, and it was designed for the man and for the woman. It was designed for humanity. And this is where we were meant to be. This was our original habitat. We were made for a place of beauty and perfection. That's Eden. We heard this. Out of the ground the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food. I think this is interesting that the plants, the vegetation that God puts into creation, they're not just merely means to the, uh, you know, expedient end of providing us, you know, nutrition, but he also made them beautiful. Like, I love that, that line there, that they were delightful to look at and good for food, as if to say, like, their primary function was to be beautiful. And secondarily, they happened to be good for food. That's amazing that he made things both beautiful and uh, expedient. And then it says this, and then he plants the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, why? Did he put these here merely as a test for the man and for the woman? Did he put them there merely to test their uh, patience or to test their obedience? Like those videos, I've seen these videos on YouTube where you've got like a mom or a dad with their, with their child, their little toddler, and they sit them down at the table and they put like, like a I don't know, like a Tootsie Roll in front of them and said, now don't eat this until I get back. And they go away and the camera's on them and you can see the kid like, like, should I eat it, you know? Eventually they usually like, nom, 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 nom. They usually eat it. Is that why he put the, the tree in the middle of the garden? No, that's not why. That's not why. He put those trees there because the fruit of those trees, knowledge of good and evil, 
and immortal life. The fruit of those trees were fruits that he always intended to give us. We were meant to receive those fruits, not grasp at them. Not grasp at them. They're meant to be bestowed on us as gifts in the right time, in the right way. Continues like this. The Lord God then took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. These words here, cultivate and care for it, these are the same words that appear in uh, the book of Leviticus when we're talking about the work of the priestly class in the temple or in the tent of the meeting and, and the Aaronic priesthood, the, the role of the priest to carry out this service in the temple. What are the priests supposed to do? They're supposed to cultivate and care for it. This is significant. Remember yesterday we were talking about the creation of the cosmos through the lens of grand cosmic temple construction, right? And Adam, the man, is placed into the temple in order to be the great high priest of the temple cosmos, ordering all of creation in praise to God the Father. So what do we have in the temple of Jerusalem? The high priest's role is he's recapitulating the Adamic identity. He's recapitulating our deepest human identity as being the steward of creation, the viceroy of creation, ordering all of creation in praise to God cultivating it and caring for it because the temple is a microcosmos, a microcosm, just as the cosmos is a macro temple. All of that converges there. So when we hear this, then the Lord, the Lord God gave the man this order. You are free to eat of any of the trees of the garden. You're free to eat of any of them, all of them. Go for it, except those two, but all, all of them. Like that's like 99.999% of what he made. It's this wild permission, this wild gifting from the Father. Here, Adam, have everything. I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back from you. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From that tree you shall not eat. For the moment you eat from it, you are surely doomed to die. Why? Because in grasping, in appropriating to ourself this fruit, this authority to determine good and evil, we have inverted the hierarchy of being that we have said in that act, I do not want to be a creature, I want to be God. Well, when the creature wants to be God, it cuts itself from God, who is our ultimate life source, right? It's not for man to appropriate to himself the divine prerogative of deciding what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, what is true and false, all of those things. God has the authority, the authorship over such things, and it is for us to receive this. Civilizations, cultures far more moral than us used to know this, that good laws were good insofar as they, ref as they reflected divine law, the natural law. There is such a thing as natural law, and all of our civic laws were meant to be consonant with the natural law, which is ultimately derivative of the divine law. We have lost sight of that. We've lost sight of that. We want to be God. We want to be God. This is from the Supreme Court case, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Justice Kennedy said in his, uh, in his majority report, he said, at the heart of liberty, right, at the heart of freedom, at the heart of liberty, is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Like, you read that, and you're like, oh, is that it? You know, like, is that all? Someone has clearly eaten of the fruit. 
I will be God. I will decide what is right and wrong, what is true and false. I will decide the meaning of life. I'll decide the meaning of existence, my existence, your existence, all existence. I'll decide the meaning of the universe because I am God. I'll decide the mystery of human life. Ego sum deum, right? I am God. This is the great inversion, right? The death that ensues that God promised will happen. The death that ensues, it's a spiritual death. A spiritual death, like, like a flower that gets plucked right, from the ground. It doesn't immediately shrivel up and you know, turn brown and die, but the life slowly begins to ebb away. This is what happens. This is what happens to the human race as a result of original sin that that flower plucked our humanity, plucked from God, everything begins to slowly fade away. This is the sad, sorry fate of, the, of fallen humanity. But Jesus comes to redeem it. Jesus comes to redeem it. More on this story Thursday and Friday. Stay tuned for more. Amen.